1: Hey, everybody, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I get so excited about some of the things we're talking about now. And joining me here today, of course, will be Dr. Alexandra Chiron. That's how I say it, Chiron. Did I get that right? Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> how do you say it? Chiron. Chiron. Right, because it's got an age. Dr. Alexander Sharon, um, And the reason I get excited about this is because, you know, there are so many way, ways that I think I've learned about healing. And the only way I learned that is by being really sick, right? And I've talked about that. Um, but before we get rolling, I want to say hi to Jacob and hi to Benny. Hello to both of you today. What's up, Pat?
0: Hey, hey how's it going?
1: Yeah, my producers, they're in the saddle. I love that. Just hope there's not a little burr in that satin of this. I'm just joking. Well, we're on there's separate saddles. Let's just They're make se- <laughs> absolutely clear about <laughs> that. You're on a separate <laughs> saddles, right? It takes a village. You know it. Uh, and then Benny will be giving away copies of the book. And as I mentioned before, uh, there's a modern guide. There's a modern guide that uh, Dr. Alexander has put together, and you're going to hear all about it. And as you hear all about it, you're going to hear, uh, especially from me, is that when you are on a healing journey and you have tried just about every conventional thing possible, and they don't work. Then you have like a little epiphany that says, "Wow, you're living in the Pacific Northwest, Bastyr University, so many people that are healers, Dr. Nusheen Darvish. You got to love her. Saved my life," and you start to think, maybe maybe there are other ways. What have I got to lose? And then off you go. And when you do that, you find that there is so much you can learn. And this is what's kind of cool about this today. You're going to discover how healing begins in your hands. I love this because So much of what we do is with our hands, you know, so much of how we are in the world. Now, if you're me, you come from a family that our hands are going like all the time. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you could be like watching TV and your hands are like going. You don't know what your hands are doing, but they're doing something, right? It's just kind of the way we grew up. But I commented about something the other day. I saw an interview with Michelle Pfeiffer on Jimmy Fallon. And I was so, str- I couldn't even pay attention to what she was talking about because of what she was doing with her hands. And then I read the, uh, then I read <laughs> Dr. Alexander's book. And I thought, wait a minute, I think she was doing that, but she didn't know she was doing that, but maybe she did know she was doing that. Why did that look so awkward on TV, but was so natural for her? Why did she do that? Why was she constantly holding her hands together in, in what seemed awkward, but a very special touching way? I don't know. But I would venture to say that there must have been a comfort zone for her to do that. There must have been something about doing that. And if you all go back and watch that clip, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because if you watch her, it seems awkward. And yet, she was so committed to it and there was something that she would do with her hands together and touching certain fingers on her hands. Now, so much so that I couldn't take my eyes off of them. I don't even know what she was talking about. All I remember is Jimmy Fallon playing a clip when she was Catwoman and showing her how to use the whip. But I have a funny feeling that's not why she was there. But what is it about this? What is it about how we strengthen our spirituality, how we learn to heal? How about all of that? Well, I'm so thrilled to have Dr. Alexander joining me here today. Great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you. It's great to be here, Dr. Pat.
1: What do you make of my fascination, with Michelle Pfeiffer's hands? Now, look, I've been a fan of her for a really long time. So for me to be that fixated on her hands in that, in the, in the entire time she's sitting there on Jimmy Fallon, I was just like, what is she doing with them? But Do you, would you agree that, you know, with my assessment that that had something so comforting to her,
0: right? And I don't think it was random, to be honest with you. What do you think? Well, what brought... What it brought to mind for me was hypnosis. If if anyone's listening has ever been to a hypnotist, often what a hypnotist will do is they'll have you go to a place in your life or a, or a place in your mind where you felt comfortable, for example. And then the hypnotist might ask you to place your hands in a certain way. Uh, when I was undergoing cancer treatment, I worked really extensively with a hypnotherapist because I had a huge phobia of being put to sleep for surgery. And I had a lot of surgeries ahead of me. So uh, what she told me to do was imagine my happy place. And and she told me to really involve all the senses, you know, and I thought about running along the seawall here in Vancouver. And I thought of the seagulls and I thought of the, the boats knocking gently against the dock. And then she asked me to put my hands together, clasped one on top of the other and rest it on my chest. And then later, when I was experiencing really nasty treatment, side effects such as extreme pain and nausea, I would clasp my hands together in that same way. And because of the hypnosis, the meditations that I had worked on, those feelings from running along the seawall, and of course, I was so sick I couldn't run a step. Uh, those feelings came rushing back as if I were there. And when you were saying this, of course, I haven't seen the clip. uh, But I immediately thought of that, that healing journey that I went through, and how your hands can unlock a key to a conscious state in your mind.
1: You know, it's really interesting, because, um, you know, I mean, first of all, Michelle Pfeiffer is, has always been a a beauty, both on the outside and inside. If you hear about her, she's also fierce when it comes to acting. She is d- dang near perfectionist, right? Um, but I had never seen her, and she's extremely shy, extremely shy. I mean, her history will tell you that. But I was so struck by the precision of her hands and movement. Let's tell everybody what this art and science is called. What is the healing? or the acknowledgement of healing through the hands, what is
0: that called for our audience so they know? Well, the terminology that I use in my book is mudras. And many listeners will probably recognize mudras that they've practiced in contexts like yoga, or perhaps dance. Mudras are used in many contexts. And I think that they can definitely be used for hypnosis and in daily life. You know, there's so many signs. Let's just let's just talk
1: a little bit pop culture, if we could. Um, we have now come to learn many different symbolisms in using hands, whether it's being on the islands of Hawaii, or whether it's Spock in Star Trek. Okay, like I, you got to admit, he brought the whole hand symbol thing to the forefront, right? Um, But there are many things that happen in this world, you know, I was especially touched by um, a movie I watched recently called CODA. And I was struck by the movement of sign language. And I was so struck by that. And, you know, of course, I'm reading your book at the same time. So I've got this thing going on with your book, and then watching it. So I read your book one, one time through, then I watched the movie. And my friend said, if you didn't read this book, I don't think you would have had so much to say about it. And I said, Well, you're probably right. But there's so much be- such beauty in hand movement, isn't there? And in the way we could hold our hands.
0: Yeah, it is a language. And as we know, because we see indigenous people struggling to keep their languages alive, there's actually, you know, uh, crow sign, which is a a hand sign language of the indigenous peoples, and they're keeping that alive. These these are so important to culture. Our language holds all our important messages for life, and they help us understand our world. The way that we interpret our our language expresses our heart. Now, one of the most, po- let's talk
1: about one that you have in the book. And I just want, I want to talk about the book. I love it. Um, the average person does use some of these, some of these mudras. And one of them is the all famous peace sign, right? Yes. And, but that has a very long name in your book. <laughs> it has a very long name in your book. And I was just, I was so interesting as i started to read about what that meant right
0: mhm yeah in my book I uh, because it's the modern guide to mudras I really wanted to make this compendium that included ancient mudras that were used in temple worship in in India and then combine that with modern mudras that have been invented in the last 50 years and so uh, sometimes I'll give two names so you can see the long fancy name and then you see right next to it crossed fingers you know and those we all you know we know that crossed fingers are powerful right if you're telling white lie put those behind your back makes everything better and so um so yeah i liked to uh explain some of the history behind the mudras. But of course, uh, some, something special and magical is there about movement, and it's hard to describe in words. And so of course, the, the, the pictorial drawings make things a lot easier for those who don't want to get tongue tied.
1: Yeah, you know, what's interesting about it is I was talking to Linda a little bit. And, you know, from she's known me since I was early, even before I was in my 20s. And she always commented on how I use my hand. And, you know, one of the things that I will often do is as I hold my hands, I'll do something like this, but I'll do it naturally. I mean, I'll be sitting here and I'll hold that position in my hand. It'll just be like this. And I was reading that that actually means something. That's a sign. The sign right? of the goddess. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, and let me ask you this question. because. I've done things like that all my life. Many people have.
0: Many people have hand gestures. Is there something innate? I believe so. In fact, I was just having a discussion with another practitioner and we talked about the intersection between palmistry and mudras. So I also do palmistry and I, I really enjoy that craft. It has a lot of ancient roots. And one thing that the the layperson might not know is that your palm actually changes over your lifetime. So if you do like fortune telling with palmistry, you can kind of use your palm as a GPS for your life because it does change. As we know, the work that we do changes how our hands appear. And so I believe that this this kind of can connect with the common hand gestures that we may do as people or within our cultures. Everybody knows that Italians love to talk with their hands, right? And they have some common gestures that we might recognize. And certainly that's going to affect the way that they uh, express themselves in the world and the way that they move forward with their lives.
1: You know, I want to talk about this when we come back,
0: um, because ever since I started
1: to read the book and talk about this, I've noticed that there are some things that I do, like I don't point to people, Mm -hmm. I hold my thumb and my index finger together, almost, it's just like odd, it's like odd. You know, people say, what, are you like pointing? What are you doing? And it's like, I don't know what that is. It's like my thumb and that index finger, they're like together. And it's like a little cave that it creates. That's my version of pointing. I don't do, even when I'm pointing to a board, you know, I won't point with one finger. I have to have my index finger and my thumb touch. And, you know, at one point somebody said to me, don't do that. Just point point to the board. This was in my corporate job. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't break that habit. When we come back, what does that mean? And how do we honor ourselves here? See, this is less about criticism and honoring. And one of the things you may notice when we talk with Dr. Alexander, when we come back, watch your children, watch your kids, what they do. And then think twice between try, before you correct them, okay? You got to read the book before you start correcting people. But what is this weird thing I do with these little fingers right here, this thumb, and I just cannot point with one finger? It's so interesting. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We've got copies of the book to give away, Benny. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay tuned, everybody.
0: Life can be demanding, but sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free coaching consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com.
2: Know your own divine magic and extend peace and love to all with Reiki master and author Brett Bevel. Brett offers empowering solutions with energy healing modalities, magical awakening, and psychic Reiki. Brett's latest book, Healing Racism Within, A Lightworker's Guide, draws on his own journey of growing up in a racist community and healing childhood trauma. For more on the most cutting-edge energy healing techniques, visit brettbevel.com. Tune into the Dr. Diane Show, where we explore revolutionary expansion of mind, body, and soul every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I bring over 20 years of expertise as a mindset warrior, perspective shifter, and unshakable
0: optimist dedicated to helping you reach your wildest dreams in business, health, performance, and relationships. Join the discussion on the show. Learn more about me, Dr. Diane, and receive a free digital copy of my magazine at naturalnutmeg.com.
2: Hi, I'm Amber, your weekly host of the Heart Leader Podcast, where heart and mind align on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I'm here with co-host Austin, and we'd like to know, do you have a passion to make a greater global impact? Are you ready to embrace leading with heart and love? If so, join us and our global community of over 1 million strong on this journey to become heart leaders who change the world. Each episode brings heart-centered connection, building stronger relationships, communities, and businesses. Take a deeper dive into what it means to be a heart leader. For more information, visit www.swebera.org. We look forward to seeing you in the Suivera community. Can you truly say that you know and love yourself? Courtney Cottrell is an author, speaker, and 21-year active duty Master Chief with the U.S. Navy, here to encourage you to take back your power and live your life with intention and purpose. Tune in to Unapologetically Favored every fourth Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Walk in your purpose. Visit
0: unapologeticallyfavored.com to learn more about Courtney. Hey, everybody, welcome
1: back. Yep, we got a copy of the modern guide to mudras right here. Dr. Alexandra joining me here.
0: Hey, what's the best way for people to find out about you? Maybe you can give them your Facebook. Yes. I okay. have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash C psychic. That's S E E psychic. And you can find me right there or search for my name that you see on the front of my book. And uh, definitely you can shoot me a message on there, although I'm kind of bad at Facebook. So d- don't be afraid if I don't get back to you for a couple <laughs> days.
1: <laughs> yeah. Me either. Just saying. Um, but you're the author of several books too. Yeah. Um, I've
0: written over, over two dozen published books with Llewellyn. So I love to write. Yeah,
1: I like the one. I like the getting through it one. Getting Thank through you. It. Did, I, yeah. did I get that right? Getting through it, yes. and building your life after adversity. Right? Yes,
0: absolutely. That's that's one of. I think that that's one of the most important books I've ever written, and it's I'm, a big I'm really one. proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should do like another edition because people need that like right now. Definitely. It was kind of weird timing because that one is actually a recent book. And of course, I completed it before the pandemic hit. Uh, But definitely, it's very relevant.
1: (laughs) That needs a reboot right now. Um, But what we're talking about here, Benny, let's give a copy of the book away. 1-800-930-2819. And then Jacob, keep an eye out on Facebook. Okay. If anybody wants a copy, let me know. 1-800, what's my phone number, Benny? 1-800-930-2819. Um, lot of hands, a lot of movement. Uh, I want to ask you, there's so much, I mean, there's so much in here. It's fascinating to me. You know, I'm so aware now of like moving my hands, right? You know, on this particular thing, you can't see my hands, right? You know, but I, I do this thing like this. This is like, I don't point it, but I just like do it. I'm like all the time like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so much here. Uh, I I'm also not a I don't sit with my fingers crossed in each other's. I just don't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there definitely are some things that people do and children do. And I want to ask you this question. You know, what have you learned in writing this book? What would you say? Wow. Okay. We're in a modern time. We're seeing a lot of hand movements. We see it all the time. We see it in our pop culture. We see it in spiritual teachings. We see it. We see it. We see it. What would you say are your top
0: three takeaways you want to share with us? Top three takeaways. Well, one you reminded me of when you were talking about how you don't point with just your pointer finger. I don't. And (laughs) I think that uh, in our culture we point a lot. You know, we we uh, even as small children are 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 diagnosed with autism if they're not pointing by a certain age. But in so many cultures, it's considered very rude to point. And the reason behind this is because hexes and curses can be done with the pointed finger. Uh, The pointed finger, the fancy term is suchi, and it is the direction of energy. You can think of it like your magic wand, right? And so for this reason, pointing can be seen as a rude thing. So I think that you've got something there with your modified version of pointing, which may be less threatening, especially to people from cultures where cursing is rampant. Yes. Um, I think that another uh, really wonderful thing that uh, is a good take home point is that mudras don't have to be static. I think that a lot of people learned mudras or got were exposed to mudras through yoga where you hold a pose with your hand and it's a little bit like um a pressure point kind of situation where you're pressing fingers into your palm or into each other and you're you're bringing your focus to those pressure points which is great it's a wonderful thing but i was first exposed to to mudras through classical traditional indian dance so those mudras are in motion. And I think that adding these hand gestures to your life, uh, intentionally and and focusing your concentration on them, allowing them to, to allow your energy to flow where your attention goes, this can be such a valuable thing. And, um, thirdly i'd say that one of the most important things that i can i can speak to is that you don't have to get very complex with the mudras uh but uh you need to be forgiving of yourself if your hands just don't work that way some of the mudras are actually pretty challenging and like any any yoga teacher will tell you, you have to listen to your body and you can approximate your own version of the mudra. Like you've found your own version of pointing. You can make your own version of any mudra. Some of them I had to practice for years before I was able to do them without my hands cramping up or, or without them looking funny. And I think that beginners should definitely be gentle with themselves as they explore yeah. this really important part of their body.
1: And I do want to make an acknowledgement for those of you out there that may not know, this is National Autism Awareness Month and this uh, started April 1st and goes through April 30th and and I think it is really important for us to understand you know the degrees of autism because you pointed out something very interesting um, that identifies a child or even an adult as being on the spectrum. And you're absolutely
0: right about that not pointing thing. That became a thing. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and, and I understand that the reasoning behind it is, you know, what they're trying to assess is the child's ability to communicate through gesture. Right. But since that's not something that's explicitly taught in our culture, yep. I find it really interesting that that is the, the diagnostic criteria.
1: I found it interesting too. I mean, what, what also becomes interesting is the total, um, you know, how we like to categorize people, and we've learned a lot about autism, and we've learned very little about autism. And I think when you know, if you watch people that have come out and said and talked about being on the spectrum, that's the term, Elon Musk, you know, was one of those people, you will learn certain things, especially about gestures. Mm -hmm. But here's what I wish. And this is what your book does. Your book takes away the stigma. It takes away. I don't point. I'm gonna do this till I probably die. I'm. I'm doing it now, like I'm just like this. Even when I point at a book, and we have to destigmatize because what may be going on is what you talk about in the book. You know, we may be looking at something that is a prana mudra. We right. And I'm looking at that one in the book in particular, because that's one of my favorites. But let's talk about the healing essences of these. There's so many you have in here. There's so many symbols we use in our natural world, you know, and then there's so many that we don't. But every one of them has a unique descriptor
0: and value, don't they? They do. And, you know, at the beginning of the show, you talked about, uh, about, about healing and all these natural ways and, and allowing that to be to complement part of your traditional medicine, for example. And uh, I think that that's so important. Our culture has this labeling first piece of it. And I think that that often has more to do with billing codes than it does with the actual (laughs) human being. (laughs) Oh, and, no, he, he told, Even in psychology, everything's about the billing code. Absolutely, <laughs> and and you know, when I was going through cancer treatment, I went through a wonderful hospital that integrated, you know, naturopathy and sound healing and art healing and and physical therapy, all of these things kind of brought together. So I do believe that these complementary therapies are absolutely easy to enfold into a, a regular traditional medical treatment. You know, I went through the whole regular nine yards with the chemo and surgery and everything. So, um, and you know, we need to listen more to the people who have these mm-hmm. labels, you know, like it, for autism. We don't want to listen to autism speaks. I understand from hearing from my autistic friends. Instead, we want to listen to the voices of the people who actually have this label exactly. and hear hear from their experience. And so uh, I really love mudras because there's such an easy Complementary therapy that you can integrate into your practice, even if you're stuck in bed in a hospital and you can't get candles or bells or some other tools that you might want to use spiritually, you, you're going to hopefully always have the palms of your hands right with you.
1: Yeah. And you know, this is so fascinating. We're going to take a short break. But when we do come back, there's, I love that you broke it out between one-handed and two-handed. Really, I love that you did that. And you know, when we come back, let's talk about what the differences are. But most of what we see in history, ancient history, and especially spirituality, deals with two two-handed gestures, for lack of a better term, uh, mudras, right? Two-handed. But yet, there's so much that we don't know about the energy we're creating. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to talk about when we come back. You know, I play a sport that there are a lot of sports that have fanaticism around how you hold your hands, right? Uh, Tennis isn't one of them, but table tennis is one. And it is a fanaticism around how you must hold your hand to show the ball. And what I find fascinating about that, some people can do it and some people cannot. But if you ever saw me play and the way I hold the ball before I serve, all of my friends say, you are totally weird. (laughs) Nobody has a flat hand like that. That is ridiculous. Everybody cups the ball. Everybody's different. When we come back, we're going to hear why the nuances do count and how you can use what Dr. Alexander has put in this fabulous book to heal, to understand the energy you bring in, to call on some ancient traditions and wisdom, and to really take another step towards a life that will capture the essence of your gesture. Stay tuned. We'll be right
2: back. Are you passionate about impacting social change or working towards anti-racism as a society? Are you willing to deconstruct your innermost thoughts, ideas, and beliefs
0: about racism? Then, Inflection Point Podcast, Cultivating Change from the Inside Out, is the show for you. Join Anita Russell, Mavis Bauman, and Gail Hunter in open, honest, and deliberate conversations
2: every first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, only on TransformationTalkRadio.com.
0: Have you heard about shifting the collective vibration and consciousness on the planet? Join me, Kimberly Barrett, on the Sharing Love and Light Show every first and third Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern at TransformationTalkRadio.com to explore the depth of vibration and consciousness on our planet and learn how you can shine your love and light. To learn more, visit SharingLoveAndLightShow.com.
2: Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune into the Alley Effect with Allison Blythe, authentically living life your way. Every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Allison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. For more about Allison, visit Allison, A L L Y S O N, Blythe, B L Y T H Introducing the Brilliant Black Man Show with Melissa Johnson. Tune in as Melissa shares the stories of successful black men across the country. This show is designed to change the narrative of how black men are portrayed in the world. The show will highlight their brilliance and how they are making a difference in their family, community, boardroom, and the world. For more information on the show, visit wildministriesllc.com.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back. So great to have all of you tune us in, turn us on. Hey, um, before we keep going, again, mention how people can connect with you, but also how do
0: they get a copy of your book? Sure. Uh, You can connect with me online at facebook.com slash psychic. That's S-E-E psychic. And you can get my book wherever books are sold. So yes, that does include places like Amazon. But I also encourage you to please try to patronize your local independent mom and pop bookstore. They are definitely hurting right now and you can special order it if they don't have it. And I want
1: to thank Kat from Llewellyn and Linda, my producer on the Dr. Patcher on Transformation Talk Radio for getting their selves together to bring on Dr. Alexandra. Um, I I want to talk about, I mean, you make a distinction, which I was really glad about. I mean, I got through the first part of the book and I just got fixated on it. And then I got to the next part, you know, about uh, looking about one hand versus two hands. And I was still fascinated by that, but I want to take a moment And talk about what's underneath this. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, look, and I'm doing this again, you can't see me, but I'm talking with with these two (laughs) little fingers together like that. Um, There is an energy in this. And we're so self-conscious about what we think and what people think about us. You know, our hands, the way we talk, the way we don't talk how we walk, the way we don't walk. Now, during my healing journey, I learned a ton about the feet. But it wasn't later till I learned more about the hands. And I wanted you to talk about the energy that that we can bring forth consciously. If we were to look at these, to look at these, you know, how the hand gestures work, what they look at, what they can bring forward, cause that's really the essence of your book. And not all hands are alike. One handed, one handed, right? One handed mudra is different than a two handed. And I'm so glad you included that. Can you talk about the difference or maybe
0: there isn't one, maybe they're just different types of energy. There definitely is a difference. And since I come from a traditional Indian dance background, I learned a dance called Bharatnatyam. And bharatnatyam dance teaches the mudras, the classical mudras, almost like you're singing the ABCs and you perform each of the mudras as you go. And they start with the one-handed mudras, which you need to practice with each hand, right? It's just like if you practice exercises in the gym, you don't want to just exercise your right-hand side and get a big buff muscle over here and then your left hand side is wimpy. Well, in Bharatanatyam dance, you learn the mudras, the one-handed mudras on both hands so that both hands are functional and are able to direct those energies. And just to, to speak a little bit more about those energies, I want to talk a little bit about dance. If you ever watch a dancer they're never moving their whole body all at once, right? That would look like they're having a seizure. (laughs) Usually they're moving just part of their body. Like they might wiggle their shoulders and then they might bring that movement to a hand and move their hand around. And your eye will be drawn to the part of the body that the focus is drawn to, right? The movement is happening in a specific spot on the body. And that's where that phrase comes in, you know, energy flows where attention goes. The dancer is consciously directing Directing the viewer's attention by moving just a select part or parts of their body at a time. And likewise, they're directing their own attention. They're bringing that focus to that spot. And that's where you get like a one-handed mudra if you're just trying to focus the attention on this spot or two-handed mudras that work the both hands together in order to create an energetic attention foci.
1: And, you know, when we're talking about this, you know, we're talking about ways to help us and and let's just talk about the, the, the for, let me just get back to this and talk about this as a modern guide. And there's a reason for understanding the modern guide, as you said, a, create balance and blessings, right? Create balance and blessings in the palm of our hand. It's so great that it literally could be that easy, Yes, but is. you have to learn it. Right. I'm not saying. But there is we're learning that every part of who we are generates an energy,
0: Mm -hmm. every part of it. Right. And and it's so wonderful that we can do this with just the tools at our disposal. Uh, I I come from a Wiccan religious background and uh, all the witchy people, we really love our smells and bells and all our ritual accoutrement. I think that a lot of people who are drawn to that spiritual path, they want things like statues and candles and tools and magic wands and crystals. But That's also limiting spiritually. It it can become sort of a crutch because then what if you find yourself spiritually lost at sea and without your tools, like laying in a hospital bed or, or far away from home, you might feel like you don't have what you need to bring yourself peace and balance. But if you train yourself on methods of using your own body, your own mind, your own intention and focus, then you will have that wherever you go
1: um one of the things that i i wanted to ask you about is we live in a a very stressful world and some people say very stressful some people really you know it depends on who i talk to and what day i talk to them is someday the post-pandemic has taught people some coping mechanisms. So, you know, what they've had to learn is how to use some calming mechanism, meditation, maybe not even, maybe they get a brain tap, whatever that is. But in any event, we're talking about calming. We're talking about calming gestures. And this is, you know, Autism Awareness Month. And one of the things we know or have learned is there are some things that happen. And, you know, for children, Um, I, you couldn't get me to stop tapping my foot, and you could not get me to stop tapping my fingers, it didn't matter. I mean, it was so bad in Catholic boarding school, they didn't know what they were going to do with me. I just thought I was having a good old time. But the point is, it generated an energy, it generated something for me, Michelle Pfeiffer probably had something going on. But let's talk about what people can learn to do with their hands to calm themselves.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I think I love how we talk about children again, and we know that children fidget and then these, this fidgeting is taught as some kind of pathology, like why are you fidgeting in the classroom? We're just trying to move our bodies, right? We need our, our bodies need to be moved. And so I think that there's a lot of uh, mudras that you can use and you can train both states of being. You can teach your body to be centered and focused by using just a static mudra to try to calm your hands and (laughs) and stop that fidgeting intentionally on your own terms. Or you can use those gestures, those moving mudras to dance your way to peace and calm. And that is both of those methods are really important. So what I encourage is just like at the beginning of the show, I talked about hypnosis, where you might teach, you might be in a state where you're envisioning your happy place, and then you hold your hands in a certain way. And then later, when you take that hand posture, you remember your happy place. Well, I also encourage people to practice both ways. So, for example, you might meditate and practice with a mudra, being in a peaceful state. For example, one mudra that I like to teach is the "keep it together" mudra, where you, you pinch your your fingers together, your uh, your pointer fingers and your thumb together, and allow your other your your ring fingers and your pinky fingers to just go up naturally this is sometimes called the keep it together mudra this is one of the modern mudras and if you practice that keep it together mudra in a peaceful space like in your living room (laughs) with incense and candles and then later you're at work and somebody is bugging the stuffing out of you you can hold that keeping to keep it together mudra and unlock that part of your brain that was in your living room feeling safe and calm.
1: Mm. There's a couple that I was drawn to, I was talking to Linda about it. And one of them, you call it the eagle seal. This is another one of these things that if you ever watch me, and I'm sitting or I'm at a movie, or even if I'm waiting at a meeting, or I'm at a meeting, I will just put those two thumbs together. And I'll just put that right down on the table, or on my lap. And I'm not trying to make signs in the shadow on the projector. It's just a thing. (laughs) But it's fascinating when I read what these are about. And -hmm. and I think that there are here, when we're talking about mudras, we're talking about very specific, you know, ways we hold our hands that can take us to a place we really want to go. And I think when I read about that one, that was about inner freedom. Mm -hmm. So you could tell if I'm anxious waiting to talk that I would put myself in that, that I would lock those two thumbs. I mean, literally, if you saw me, you can't see me now, but if you saw me at a meeting, I would lock those two thumbs and I would probably have my hands like on my stomach,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: those two thumbs would be deadlocked.
0: I really, I I really like how you're interpreting your subconscious hand movements, like it's dream (laughs) interpretation. That's really beautiful. I don't know if
1: that's true or not. I mean, because when I, when I read about it, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Vishnu, totally get it. And so I became more mindful now. So every Mm -hmm. time I'm in a position with my hands or something, I'm thinking, you know, what is that? What is inside of that? Yeah. And that's why I asked you the question about innate, because I do think some of these are are here. But more importantly, I think that we have to find alternative ways of being
0: now. Yeah, I really love that. For those those of you who are just listening to auditory version of this. Uh, she's talking about like, if you were to project your hands, like look like a flying bird, uh, as a shadow on the wall, you would link your thumbs together and then wiggle your fingers. Like it's a beautiful bird and exactly. this is done in dance too. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a freedom gesture. And I really like that you're, you're interpreting that you're saying, oh, my hands are naturally going here. That means that I need to find some way to feel free because right now I might not feel so free. And, and just like in dream interpretation, you know, if I have a dream that my teeth are falling out, I know that that means I don't feel like I'm in control in my life. And so rather than just saying, huh, that's interesting. Oh, well, I often take action when I have that dream and try to find more areas of my life where I can feel in control. And so I really like that you're using uh, your hands as this tool that you can interpret. That's beautiful. Well, I,
1: because I've used my hands so often growing up. I mean, honestly, I got in serious trouble in Catholic boarding school and my, and my Catholic upbringing, because, you know, one of the, one of the mudras you have in the book where it's almost like a prayer. It's almost like you're doing this, but you're mm-hmm. not. Well, I'm not because I take my index fingers and I would roll them over. Mm-hmm. I would not have them like that. But mm-hmm. so what I would do is my version of rolling the index fingers over. And mm-hmm. that would like be Sister Michael Anthony would be like, no. <laughs> and I, I mean, I tried for years to break that. But see, this is what I think we have to really stop doing.
0: Yeah, definitely. And all of these, these mudras are, are things that people use for empowerment, you know, like, uh, there is a mudra called empowerment, there's a mudra called Atman, which is representing the true self. And it's interesting that your hands just automatically went there. Because uh, you're expressing your true self, We we need to give ourselves the freedom to be able to Do that, and these mudras have variations too. I, uh you know, some people ask how many mudras are in the book. I can't really put an exact number on it because some of these mudras have several variations. And so, if you find yourself not doing something perfectly because your body wants to do something differently, Mm -hmm. well, that just might be a variation of a common mudra.
1: Let's talk about. I know we've got a few minutes left, but one of the things I was really struck by here was there's a part of the book that talks about modern. um, Mud your mistakes to avoid. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about those for a minute? Because I, I, I think it's important to understand why we call them that mm-hmm. and you know what this means in reference to looking at these, right? Um, you say this in the beginning of the book and then you say it throughout the book, to be mm-hmm. mindful of the concept and the cultural appreciation. And I and, and it's so good. You know, and and part of this is to really learn this. Because I think like anything that I've learned in healing modalities, if you're off a quarter of an inch, it really means something else. (laughs) Yeah. In a lot of, I mean, think about it, foot therapy. If you're off a quarter of an inch, you're not really healing your stomach. You're doing something to your notes. Um, But there's also a mindfulness involved in this, isn't there? Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely. And uh, I can, I can speak to this as well. Uh, I, I used to compete in karate, for example, and there's many variations on karate. There's, there's, there's very, very uh, austere dojos that will teach a certain method of karate. And then there's these other uh, sort of McDojos as they are called, which just kind of do a lot of cultural appropriation. They're just trying to make a quick buck with some kickboxing by calling it karate. And so the idea is that a true master can deviate from the craft that they're doing uh but that's because they've mastered all of the essential base movements that are required for their art Mm -hmm. and so i think part of paying homage to a cultural practice is giving it your all to really learn the way that you are supposed to be taught the way that the the teachers and the gurus would intend for you to honor this material. It's kind of like if you were going to create a fusion between belly dance and flamenco, well, you'd better be really good at both belly dance and (laughs) flamenco before you try to fuse them together. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of intention behind Mm -hmm. uh, cultural appropriation. You don't want to make mudras into some kind of pretend game or something to impress somebody else. Yeah. Um, part of this is really honoring this craft and the teachers that have passed mm-hmm. this down for thousands of years. I think that's you that's are today. so
1: important what you just said. But also, you know, the the half the other half of the book is beautifully done to say now that I've showed you all this, now let's talk about meditating with mudras. Let's talk about you know spiritual practice. I love that you did that Mm -hmm. because, you know, there is you really have not left much out in terms of, you know, the practices that are involved with the kinds of changes we want to make, whether it's spiritual, whether you're looking at or even now in the book, you've included ritual. Mm -hmm. I love ritual. Right. Um, But, you know, there are ways that you guide us through and walk us through ways to do this, that pretty much help us, as I like to say, transmute, transmute energy, you know, create a shift, you know, whatever that shift is, whatever people want to bring into their lives.
0: How important was that for you to do that in the book? It was so important to me because as I keep mentioning, uh, I think that all this bells and whistles of ritual, I mean, our brains are designed to love ritual. And I think the more bells and whistles you add to ritual, the more fun it is, but also the more limiting to the context in which you can perform ritual. And I think that education, the whole point of education, the whole reason I write books is to set. People free. And so I think that using your hands, what you have on hand, <laughs> so to speak, if we forgive the pun, for making ritual in your daily life, that's going to be something that you're more likely to do to bring something good into your life. Just like a physical trainer might say that the best exercises are the ones you're actually going to do. <laughs> well, I think that the best spiritual exercises are the ones you're actually going to do. And so this book and these mudras remove barriers and set you free to do what you need to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things I want to get back to is really an acknowledgement and, and just the way you've honored this, because there are so many people that have very naturally, you know, have these mudras as a way of their life. And like I said, I don't know if it's innate. I don't know if it's past live. I don't know what it is. But, you know, so much of this has been criticized. And, you know, those of us that have grown up being corrected for um, rocking, I'm a rocker. I rock to this day. I mean, if you went through the checklist you could see, you could see why that doctor said what he said, but, you know, everything from tapping to clapping, to but, you know, use of the hand, snapping fingers, right? Mm-hmm. Even, you know, I have to have a rock, I have multiple rocking chairs in my house, right? It's just the craziest thing. And people are like, what's wrong with you? Well, there's nothing wrong. And there's nothing wrong with people when you see them hold their hands in a certain gesture. But I am going to be curious when you look at the Michelle Pfeiffer clip. You mm-hmm. can have to email me and tell me what you see in that. that but I was awesome. fascinated by it. I wasn't critical. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the most important things for us to look at here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what you've brought forth in this book allows people to have an opening to explore something that is really powerful, isn't it? Yeah. You got to
0: start where you are in anything.
1: Yeah and and to be at that place where you enter an honoring space right Thank you for today. Again, how do people get a copy of the book? Uh, tell us how they find out about you, and I'd love to know your personal
0: message, what you'd like to leave us with today. Thank you. Uh, yes, you can find me at facebook.com slash cpsychic. That's s-e-e-psychic. You can find my book wherever books are sold, uh, like Llewellyn.com, my publisher's book site, but I'd also encourage you to visit your local independent bookstore and support them. They're they're hurting during the pandemic. and yes. I just want to leave by on my teacher, my guru, Subhashini. She taught me. She is the leader of From Within Academy, which is an amazing Bharatnatyam dance school that has locations both in the U.S., in India, and all over the world. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for bringing me on today.
1: And thank you for bringing a book together that everybody can understand. A lot of times, books like this are written for a certain level or degree of people, but this is a book for everybody, and you've written it that way. And so, you know, this is a book that you can pick it up. You don't need to know anything about this and pick it up and begin to use it right away. That's what I love, right? Both the practicality of ancient wisdom. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexandra, for everything. Thank you. you. Um, I want to thank Benny and I want to thank Jacob and I want to thank all of you. You're the best audience on the planet. And yes, FYI, I am going to be talking more about these these incredible people at home instead. Uh, We're actually going to do a show. A couple of you as listeners wanted us to do a show and bring them on. We'll be doing that. But for all of you out there, remember this. Whether it's Autism Awareness Month or any other month, you got to keep your head up high. You got to know that the human in us creates categories that will have us believe that we're different and less than. We're not. We may be different, but that's what makes us so very special. That's what makes us special. So today, when you're looking at somebody and maybe you don't like the way their hands are, or maybe you're thinking, wow, they're a little bit off. Maybe they're rolling their eyes. Maybe they're tapping. Open up your heart for a minute and think about how unique that person might be.